Hey, what's going on, friends? Dr. Drill with the Making Motivation Podcast. I'm between classes. It's Tuesday, the 16th of February, 2021. Had a good day yesterday. Starting off to a good day today. I got some real good news. Remember yesterday when I was uh, belly aching a little bit, complaining about uh, young people today, and had a concern, you know, for my children learning. You know, I want to. It's important to me that people, my children, my family. Anyone in my sphere that I do what I can to make them appreciate learning or help them, not make them do anything. I want people to understand things how I do because I'm always right. (laughs) Right? Do what I do because it's what works. That's what's right. Take my advice. Well, like most people, I got things figured out, right? I've, I'm 46 years old next week, next Friday, and I feel like I've, I've had some experiences in this world and that I've got some things figured out, at least. Anyway, if I could help my kids, coming for where I come from, which is a disaffected youth, low self-esteem, thinking that I knew everything still, though, feeling as though I wasn't a traditional educational product, you know, I was, I talked to my wife last night, recounted what I had shared with you about that uh, scholarship ceremony, right, that we were all encouraged to to attend towards the end of my high school graduation in 1993. Everybody should come. Everyone should attend. Even if you didn't sign, uh, apply for a scholarship, you still could get something. Uh, nothing came for me, and I, I wasn't surprised, although I was hopeful, you know, that... I was hopeful. Hold on a second. Let me check on the dental appointment. February 18th at 10.10. Today is... I think that'll work. Alright. So, the good news is this. When I pulled into the house last night... And I walked into our little mud room, coming in from the garage, taking my shoes off, getting ready to have a nice meal. My son approached me and said, Hey, Dad, I finished all my work in social studies, all my makeup stuff in both classes, and I reached out to my teachers. 
which is precisely what I asked him to do, what I recommended that he do, because he had dropped the ball submitting some assignments. He had gotten behind. Remember, I had had wax philosophical about, you know, the problem with that, that that if you fall behind in an area, playing catch-up is a bitch whether you're whatever, how how old you are. It sucks, man, to, to get behind, to fall behind, and then to have to catch up. You don't only have to do today's work, you have to do yesterday's work and the days before. And, you know, what is the likelihood that you're ever going to catch up? I know people who are adults who still haven't caught up. Tell, I know that there are some things that... Uh, that I haven't caught up on, you know, my honey-do list or ambitions around the house or, yeah, sometimes I just fall into this because I'm tired or I just, I, I have nothing left to give for that particular day physically or mentally and I need to ration my resources that I will get behind and I don't like how it feels. So I don't want my kids to feel like that any more than they have to. So I gave him a big hug when he told me this, and I said, I'm so proud of you, man. Great job. And I saw my wife in the kitchen getting my dinner ready, very appreciative of that. And she looked at me, and I could tell that she, it, you know, it, it gave her the, all the feels because she wants him to do well. She's a teacher. She's a great teacher, great human being, and she's got her act together. And she wants to see our kids have their acts together. So I gave him a big hug, thanked him, and uh, I can't. I, I'm so I can't even express how proud I am of him for doing that. And just caring enough, if not about the course and its applicability to his life right now or in the future, um, at least he understands that, you know, what the right thing to do is and that he's willing to do it and it's painful, right? It was painful to do that catch up, do that extra work, but he was willing to put the time in and he felt proud of himself after doing so. And this morning, or last night, before we hit the rack, he goes, Dad, eggs tomorrow? That means that we're going to make scrambled eggs together. So I taught him how to do that. He's learning about the process. And, you know, I watched Sam, when he performs a task, when it's something new to him, like, this dude will throw friggin' shoot baskets, he'll throw the football, he'll catch the football, he'll run plays, he, he's, he's made all these maps, these mental maps within his mind and body, and he can do incredible physical things, but I taught him how to light a candle the other day with an aim and flame, and his hand was shaking like he was concentrating and trying to just get the, you know how you work an aim and flame, imagine it, press the gas press the spark. It's one smoothly designed maneuver. 
gas spark. Click, 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 right? It does its thing. Well, he, he just, he couldn't put those two things together in a brand new way like that. Just like anybody would have a problem using an old school lighter, right? Remember the first time he did that? You're like, crack, grind. You see a little spark, you hear a little something, but you don't push the gas and hold it in time or push it and then you miss it. And then you finally put it all together and you're like, oh, okay. Spark gas, spark gas, spark and gas. It seems like a small thing, but if it's the first time you're doing the shit, you're like, oh my God, what? A, how do I do this? How do I get it done? So, he's making eggs this morning, and this may be his third time making them. He's like, oh, make sure my gas is on the first thing. You know, when you first learn how to do something simple, seemingly, like cooking eggs, well, this is what you do, man. You get the pan out, get your ingredients out. Put some butter in the pan, crack the half a dozen eggs, get the heat right. Oh, it's not cooking. Let me turn a little more heat. Then you have too much heat, and your eggs are cooking too fast. They might burn. So you get them hot, and then you progressively turn the heat down, and then you got your eggs. You cook them at a nice rate, taught them techniques, and you got to spice them up, and you add some butter to finish it. Delicious set of eggs. So he made, my whole point about this is his learning and the process of how to cook your own food and how to perform all these tasks that have to do with being an adult and growing up and knowing how to do shit. And any listeners, you got to admit, man, the first time you've done something, cooked your own food or run a play or performed a new sport, you're like, what the fuck do I do? Uh, This is how you shoot a basket? I can't shoot anything. You know, until you figure out a basic task, how to um, replace a, a float in a freaking toilet, or, you know, how to connect a pipe, or, you know, God forbid you forget the plumbing tape, right? Or how to pump your own gas when you've always, you lived in a state like New Jersey where they always pump for you. You don't know how to do it. <laughs> how to change a tire, you know? I've changed many tires in my life. I guarantee um, there would be some bumps along the road if I had to um, change my own tire right now. Just finding the jack and placing it properly and setting it up and turning it. you imagine being a complete novice and having never done that? You sit in your car and call AAA to perform a simple task that everybody used to know how to do. So... I find all this very interesting. I'm so proud of my son. And I, I want to, as I mentioned last night, I would like to I would like to, to I feel like I need to write it. I feel like I need to write to them like what my piece is, what my opinion is on education where I come from and what I would recommend to them, their approach in order to be successful in this endeavor. Just to try to take something away every day, learn something new. You know, 
something positive, something useful. Because I see the spring in my son's step, that he's he's got his act together. He's like, he just needs a little kick in the ass. He needs to fall on his face a little bit, like many students are, as mentioned, these days. It's a shitty time, and we're almost happy if they're doing anything. I bet your average student is not doing average. It's probably on the struggle bus a little bit more than they'd like to admit during this pandemic. And so that's the way it is right now. You know, it's a tough time. But I can tell you, he has a spring in his step. After I gave him that hug and told him I was proud of him, I guarantee he'll have a different approach, a different attitude, at least for the short term, regarding his uh, assignments and shit. Made eggs this morning. I pulled the stuff out. I was willing to make it, but I was getting my Zoom... I was getting Zoom up and running and getting my materials ready for my lecture this morning. And he just went over there and started. And I helped him a little bit. We got it done. Had a nice breakfast. He signed in for attendance. I took attendance. You know, everything worked out. So, just so proud of the young little guy. He's growing, man. And so things will be a lot easier for him now now that he's had that experience. So I'm glad he did. I'm glad he faltered. Uh, I have some thoughts on... some additional thoughts in a moment I would like to share with you about just being young and heritage again, genealogy. I think that these... uh, these are things that I consider, that I think about all the time these days, get a midlife, does Peter go, I think about a lot of this stuff at midlife now, so I'll share that with you, hold on, (laughs) alright, here I am, I'm back at it, just had to stop, I failed to mention, I was heading down to the office there, I had to, uh, to get my stepper, I got that little friggin' super stepper, I'm gonna call it, this thing has been tremendous, brought it to the office yesterday, look at these fucking Peters, man, look at these guys, knows what the hell they're doing here. Took the turn, actually run over a bunch of snow, peeling wheels and shit. Okay, so I I went to the office to get this super stepper. So this is my little uh, device that I ordered on Amazon. I mentioned a couple times by now. It's got these elastic bands that you can use for resistance, do some bicep curls or whatever, shoulder raises while you are stepping. So I tell you, my calves and my thighs are pretty worked. They're sore from um, all the reps that I did on this device yesterday. So which boils up to maybe, I don't know, maybe a couple thousand steps that I did between each patient I would hop on the device and knock out a hundred steps 
And I'll tell you what, you do 100 steps, you do 1,000 steps, you feel like you've done some shit. So it's cool. Neat little device that I've already expounded upon, but I want—I left it at the office. Uh, I wanted to bring it home so that I can work a little bit more on it. Because I'm enjoying it so much. So I'll probably bring it between home and the office on a weekly basis. So, all right. I mentioned this before. Genealogy. All right. talking to my sister yesterday this is you know this is candid my I got a contact from my mother who said yeah, my brother is not doing well and he's got this that and the other thing going on with him and his his son needs to do something about it or somebody you know junior needs to do something about it but you know family she was making a, like a like a passive aggressive swipe at what she perceives as my mother. This is who who she perceives as family that doesn't do enough or doesn't care or whatever. And you know, since my parents aren't getting any younger, my father's had some health concerns over the past couple of years. Seventy five years old had a, uh, you know, mild stroke, and he's had some consequences from that, there's a question as to whether or not he's dealing with a full deck, you know, he's fully, he's fully functional strength-wise, but he's clearly getting old, and now his cognition, his thinking is not very quick, his recall of short-term memory is not very good, although he'll remember things that occurred a long time ago. So, it pissed me off. You know, it pissed me off to hear my mother, who is often passive-aggressive. I love my mother, but sometimes I don't like her. Because she'll say shit like that. uh, That makes other people feel like, you know, I don't know. We should be, whatever. You know, they, they it was their choice to move to the upstate New York region. It's beautiful. Six months out of the year, the rest is poverty and a very, you know, hillbilly sort of atmosphere. And they're retired, and so they have all this time in the world to just fuck with each other. You know, it's like the video on stress from Robert Sapolsky. Biologist, you know, he's talking about the monkeys and how they they fulfill their basic needs, necessities of life within the first hour of the day. They gather food, they reproduce, uh, and then after that, you know, they rest up a little bit, and then they just get to work on each other, just annoying the shit out of each other. And I feel like this is what humans do, and this is why retirement is the biggest fucking scam going. You know, give me something in my life to do. Otherwise, you start making either deteriorate quickly, I, I think, I have seen, observed, or 
you start making trouble. And my mother's the type of person that she'll start to, she'll do a little bit of all those things. But she's a great person, but a complicated character and not fun to be around a lot of the time. Just coming clean on that. So, sends me this passive-aggressive thing about, you know, family. Oh, you know family, how they are. Yeah, I don't know necessarily how they are. My family, my immediate family, my wife and children, and our sphere here locally, quite reasonable, quite loving. And people are wonderful, okay? People are absolutely wonderful, and they can, they're absolutely terrible. Right? Simultaneously, right? There are folks, though, that make the conscious decision, despite all the stresses in our lives, which are ample right now, and always were. There's always something going on. There's always somebody sick. There's always somebody who uh, is stressed. There's always somebody who's struggling financially or has relationship problems. Always something. Because this is people. This is the nature of life and the nature of human beings is to develop problems and try to find ways to solve them. But sometimes people seem like they make more problems than they can solve. I mean, this is a very, very common um, thing that I've seen. How about this? It's not very common, but it's common enough. There, There are more people, I think, that are solving problems at a sufficient rate than there are people who are completely fucked up. But you, you watch, you know, with a keen eye, you can observe enough people. You know some people in your life that are like, what are you up to? Why do you always have these problems? Because it's, it's you. It's not the problems. It's you. It's your mindset. You know, in my anatomy courses recently, we just finished up the immune system and we talked about how stress exacerbates or it deteriorates immune function. It takes a dump on your immune system being stressed because there's this hormone called cortisol which is produced by your adrenal glands which live right on top of your kidneys. And these adrenal glands, when you have have a stressful situation which boils down to extreme stimuli, not psychological always, can be chemical, can be physical, are examples of different types of stress. It's extreme stimuli, okay? So break the mindset that stress is purely mental. Um, so stress, cortisol. Um, oh, there's something called the placebo effect. You've all heard of it, yes? So this is where usually it's in the frame of the the frame of reference is if we are um, if we have an expectation that a treatment is going to work then the treatment is like likely to work you can think about a, you know a pill right or medicine that you're going to take for something this is a new experimental medicine it said it's really good for headaches you got to give it a shot well there's the effect of the treatment the actual um, mechanism of the of the medicine of the pharmaceutical, but there's also your expectation of the treatment. 
And we used to say that the placebo, and in research circles, we want to be better than placebo, right? We want it to be uh, better than just a, uh, just some probability, just some, you know, a chance. Better than your mind, your expectation of the, of the treatment. We want to be that effective. Better, more effective than placebo. But placebo is actually a positive thing, literally. It's like, to me, it's like thinking positive or thinking negative. There's something called the nocebo effect. The nocebo effect is when you have a, an expectation that nothing's going to work. And so it doesn't. But see, the, the thing with science is a quote by, uh, I believe it's Neil deGrasse Tyson, you know, sci- the good thing about science is it works whether or not you believe in it or not. Right? So how about that? Science works whether you believe in it or not. That is an actual effect beyond placebo. But sometimes science works and things work and things go our way because we have an expectation that they do. We set the expectation of success and then we reach success. You know, your mind, your body follows your mind. Yes, yes? And so, think about that. The placebo effect versus the nocebo effect. I probably covered this in the past because I teach anatomy this time every year. I teach the immune system. And it's always interesting and applicable that we're covering such a topic. But I think about the, the people in our lives. The good people, the bad people. And the reality that all of us have an angel and a devil within us. And we have choices to make every day. And we have the responsibility, you know, whether we're talking about our kids' education or some relationship. You know, people tell me stories about this This one is in a relationship with this one. And they're both drunks and... You know, they're always fighting, but then they always get back together. And why can't you leave them? Because, oh, I love them. Are you fucking crazy? You know, people don't come home. Yeah, they spend all night out. And they're clearly fooling around or up to some sort of drama. Right? You, you know people like this that are that are like that? Like, hey, you know, I notice you have all these problems. The first dozen times they tell you this, a story about how... They hate their wife or husband. And then, you know, five years later, they're telling you the same story. And you're saying, you know what? I figured it out. It's you. (laughs) It's you that's the problem. And so, uh, enough said. We all have people like that in our lives. It's a problem. That's a personality disorder. Okay? There's a different... Being neurotic is when, you know, we're all neurotic. We're all dealing with stresses and we're stressed out and we we do crazy things sometimes. But somebody who, the difference between neurotic and somebody who's got a personality disorder, a personality disorder means that it is you. You have a problem, but you say it's everyone else. But really it's you. You're playing a a very large role in your own fuck-ups. So, 
genealogy, placebo, no, and nocebo effects. Whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right every time. Forget who said that, but isn't that a good one? Whether you think you can or think you can't, you are right every time. Because we can mind fuck ourselves. We can win in our mind or lose in our mind. And it's a decision, some of it. You know, I say some of it because we talked about free will. Um, Yeah, this is a little quote that I... Something, a little exchange I had with a family member yesterday. I said, you know, every day we have decisions to make and wrongs to right. We all have regrets. As long as we wake up tomorrow committed to self-improvement and that of the group, we're living well. And if we don't do that, we're thieves. So take that to mean that, you know, if you got a problem and, you know, you need some, some help with it, people are always there waiting to be there for you. But if you continue to arise with all the same problems, you're just a fucking thorn in the rest of our side. And it's like, it's the same as stealing if you continue to behave that way. Like, this can perpetuate dysfunction in families and in workplaces and in marriages, you name it. And I think that a lot of people probably don't know that they're the problem or to what degree they are the problem, a problem. But a lot of people do know on some level that they are causing dysfunction. And you hear about this, like we were talking about, my sister and I were talking about how, you know, the difference between my mother's family, my mother's side, and my father's side. Well, it's apples and oranges, apples and grapefruits. My mother, she always had, she's one of seven, seven, six now, okay? And big family, you know, obviously a lot of moving parts must have been difficult, okay? But whenever we, we went over as kids to our grandparents' house, which was maybe every few months, we'd go up to North Jersey, and we go from my mother's house, typically, my mother's family, to my father's family. And my mother's side, it, 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 was, it was pleasant, you know, they were wonderful people. But sometimes there was drama, you know. And there was just an energy there that I remember very well. Maybe it was relative to the interactions between my mother and her sisters or my mother and her mother. There was always a lot going on. You know, grandkids. uh, We were grandkids, but, you know, it was a lot of moving parts. And my grandmother and grandfather were wonderful people. But I remember there was an energy there. It was just a frenzy of activity. And then we'd go over my paternal grandparents' house, and I just remember it, whether it was real or imagined, it was very peaceful. You know, my grandmother would sit in her chair and do crossword puzzles. 
my grandfather would be have various projects. He'd be carving wood, or he'd be, you know, drawing or writing, or sitting out on their little porch, and he'd read Playbill magazine, which is like a like a theater or something the fuck it was but stacks of these things not Playboy but Playbill um, and there was a great barber in the backyard and there was a little bird bath and a little detached garage and even in North Jersey where everybody if they had their own home these homes were sandwiched very close together so your driveway was like right next to the wall of your neighbor's house. That's if you were fortunate to have your own single-family home. They were still stacked right next to one another, right on top of one another, in a relatively you know kind of steep neighborhoods with a lot of hills and stuff. Just just on the cusp of New York City. So my grandparents lived, my paternal grandparents lived in Kearney. And my maternal grandparents lived in North Arlington. And probably a lot that I don't appreciate. And I had great times at both homes, and I love my family, my grandparents, both equally. They were wonderful people and did a lot of stuff for us. But when we went over my grandfather, my grandfather's house, my father's father, and mother it was like just tranquility I'm saying despite the houses being right on top of one another it was like tranquil it was chill mode it was relaxing it was a place where you could hear yourself think and you could get creative because you were always surrounded by carvings and paintings and writings and food and it was just a happy place to me and I guess I'm just naturally inclined then and since then to a more just like a chill mode environment I don't want drama in my life and I don't want uh, conflict in my world I came to that conclusion early on. I'm just not comfortable with that stuff. I don't want to be always fighting with somebody or always driving to, you know, grandma's house where, oh, well, if we run into such and such, then, you know, she's got this problem and uh, you hear what's going on with this one. And I don't give a fuck. Like, I mean, I do, but I don't. You know, like, I don't want to hear about all these problems that people are having. I got problems of my own, right? And we all kind of, we do what we can. But there's, you know, we have to work for ourselves, but also the collective. And in, in that quote that I mentioned there, we all have regrets as long as we wake up tomorrow committed to self-improvement and that of the group we're doing well. So we want everybody else to do well as well, right? And that's called being a good person, being a good family member. But if we're talking about resources, love is a, you know, a resource within a family, a very important one. 
um, and you have somebody who's who's taking, who's requiring more care, and uh, and there are times when we all will be that person where you know we might need more attention or more help than somebody else. We've all been there, and for the group to say, "All right, we're going to help out Aaron," you know, he's got this having a tough time. Give him a break, support him. All my family's done that to help me, but. If Aaron, if I constantly had shit going on and problems and um, and then that's that's just functioning as a sucker of energy towards me because, you know, I always have these problems and Aaron's got a da-da-da-da-da. It's like, that's not fair, you know? And as I said, that is like, to me, that's like you're stealing something. You're robbing a group of their resources or stealing their thunder or whatever and it's just not fair and so I was talking to my sister about the genealogy and about how I feel like she's a good person to because she's interested in it and we were talking about our name and You know what? What's in a name? When somebody, you know, what is in a name? Think about it. With somebody's name, your name, what does it mean to you? People have family crests and things that they're proud of, and then people have names that they're ashamed of, right? Like they're like Hitler or something, right? Kids weren't named Adolf for many, many years. You don't find too many Adolfs around. Too many people named Hitler anymore. They'll change your fucking name. Nobody wants to be like that. So Oberst, think about where we come from. People would talk about, they would wonder about, oh, well, you know, our Oberst came from this part of Germany and uh, great-great-great-grandpa Oberst was, uh, lived in a small town uh, called Wurttemberg, and he was a butcher or whatever. And then his son, and then his son, and his daughter, and his da- her daughter, and, and you know our other side, Kaplan. Okay, well you know, they came from this, and it's interesting. But I'm um, to a degree. But I imagine these people standing around me, like all of our ancestors, whatever their station was in life. And whatever their, you know, their situation. I imagine them standing around us, the living. I don't want to meet these people, honestly. I don't want to ever, you know, if there's a life after death and all of our ancestors are there. You think that I want to, like, be hanging out, you know, at, like, uh, Franconia Park or something like that standing around with my ancestors in various types of period dress, talking about the things that they do. I think it'd be cool uh, going to that meeting, you know. Hey, we're going to have a barbecue at uh, Fairmount Park. Uh, The entire family, our entire family tree is going to be there. What would you talk about? What would you be interested in about? I mean, because you hear about, you know, this 
every family, oh, well, this one is great. This one was a lawyer, and this one was a owned their own business, and, and this one was a drunk, and this one killed herself, <laughs> right? So people have various um, degrees of victories and traumas and failures, and all of us do as human beings. So <clears throat> I might as well be standing around with myself and my immediate family, all of all of whom are, that are alive, thankful for that. But what are we going to talk about? You know, what would we talk about if all of those uh, Obersts and Kaplans were there? Again, I, I think it'd be interesting, if not awkward. But my ultimate point, I think, is that it's imperative that while we're here to live as well as we possibly can and try to be, you know, to do good things, you know, to do good, fine works for the ones that we love, try to improve our lot and that of the group. And if we can do that, I think we're, you know, we're in good shape. So, it's pretty interesting. All right, I'm going to head back home. I got a friggin' lecture to teach. I'm just pondering that right now. I'm wondering about my lineage. I'm wondering about uh, you know, 20, uh, 46 years old next week. I'm pondering who you are. I guess in closing, I would say that uh, regarding my family name, Oberst, you know, my sister and I had a discussion and we were talking about, about that, about, you know, this is our lineage and the, the mistakes that we might have made and the things that we might have done or others might have done to, uh, I don't know, make us proud or ashamed of our name. You know what I mean? Have you ever been in a a bad relationship or something and you you decide that... uh, you break up and you're like, I can't believe I was with this bozo. Or somebody does something to, uh, to just, I don't know, make you feel like you're distant from your family and you're, you can't stand this one and you'll never see them again. And it's crazy how in the, in the closest of family of units, like uh, groups of people, i.e. a family, you get people who just, they hate each other. Or they love each other. And, you know, I think more, there's more love than hate. I'll go back to that placebo and nocebo effect again. I think there's more good than bad, more love than hate. But there are a lot of people, you got to admit, it sticks out when, you know, it's like a black sheep in the family, or this one said, this one's a piece of shit, and <laughs> fend for themselves, or I saw this one at this wedding, or at this wake, 
and didn't even acknowledge me. It's like, what is your fucking problem? <laughs> you know, I would never be involved in anything like that. I wish everyone well. Try to be a reasonable person. I love folks. More good than bad, more love than hate. But when I walked out and I took a piss last night, as I'm thinking about all this, and my son gave me that hug, or I gave him that hug, and told him I was proud of him. In his game room, he's sitting there playing, and uh, he's got a his Souderton football sweatshirt on, says Oberst on the back, and I think about when I see him out there, or my daughter, and I see them, you know, with the name Oberst on their shirt, or um, announcing a football game, or at a cheer meet, and somebody says, Lilio, or Sam O, or, you know, I think about our family when I see it. What does it mean to me? I mean, to come up with a family crest, someday I'd like to do that. Because I feel like we have, I mean, just like we have the responsibility and the relatively free will to build our, our, our better life, to work on ourselves physically and mentally, we can rework our name. We don't have to think about what people have done in the past and judge them, which we could always do. We could always look at grandparents and say, oh, I like this one better than this one. I like going to this house better than this house. This one did this and this one did that. What about us? You know, what are we doing? What are you doing to uh, add a piece to your family crest? You know, you don't have to be the president of the United States. But you could be. You know, you could put implement aspects of that uh, family crest that involve honor and integrity and kindness every day in your in your deeds. And so I think that's the type of person that I, I want to be and I try to be and I, I, I encourage my kids to be. That's what an oberst is. You know, we're making it every day. When we, we, when we miss the mark and we adjust back on target and come home with the win. Every day we have the opportunity to do that. How awesome is that? That we can we can work away at our problems like that and build a better life for ourselves and others. It's awesome. I think if we look at life that way, then life is good. And if we look at life like it's miserable and, you know, it's raining today, oh, it's going to storm tomorrow, then fucking don't be surprised if tomorrow turns to shit. If your life is a big storm, obscuring, you know, the clouds and the thunderheads and the snow and the squalls and the wind fucking with you. So, why not look at the freaking blue sky pushing through the clouds like it's trying to do right now and have hope. 
what I'm going to do. 